connected. Okay, here's John. John, you're live on the air. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. We just uh, we just left the voicemail live on the air there for you, so hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit slow on the draw for me. That's yeah. all. It's all right, man. It happens. Um, all right, so <laughs> John, for those of you uh, that are listening for the first time. NFL Eagles insider, follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen, phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at si.com is where you can find all of his written work. You can listen to John every Saturday on Extending the Play right here on AM 1490, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, all right, John, well, here we go. Let's do it, middle of the week. Um, and should we pick up from the conversation Towards the end of the segment last night when we were talking about Jalen Hurts and the quarterback position and uh, what to do at the number six overall pick. Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, my first mock draft, the three-round mock draft, is going to be on Sports Illustrated sometime tonight. It might be up there now. But uh, I, I do think, you know, the Eagles are going to be seriously looking at the quarterback position, and I think it's pretty well understood you're not going to have an opportunity at at Trevor Lawrence or uh, Zach Wilson so it comes down to Justin Fields taking some hits recently Um, and and that's sort of what the pre-draft process is and you have to kind of filter out is that just you know draft people draft Twitter so to speak or is it people in the NFL um, and, and ultimately, I find it really hard to believe that he's going to last the number six, but we'll see. I mean, you know, Daniel Jeremiah is one of those guys, former Eagle scout, lead NFL network draft analyst. He had Justin Fields down to number 12 uh, on his top 50 list, his most recent top 50 list. If he's there at six, man, I, I, I don't know how they pass on him. I just don't. Well, let me uh, let me play the other side of this. You pass on him with a couple of things in mind, and then you can just add to it whether that's a stupid way to possibly think about it. You want to give Jalen a, a year test or at least give him the keys to the car, so to speak, to start the season. That could be part of it. And the other part of it is we just feel like there's more of a trend transcending type of player at the wide receiver position, maybe Devonte Smith or whoever else it may be at any other position. We'll go get that guy who we feel like can be an all pro for 10 years and give Hertz a chance and figure that out after the season. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see the value at that position. It's one of those things where if you, I mean, naturally, if you think about it, to be a receiver, and if you think about the greatest receivers in the history of football, the Jerry Rice's of the world, the Randy Mosses, um, there's got to be a vehicle to get them the football. So, I mean, it kind of starts with that uh, more than anything else. And we talk about it all the time. In fact, full positions, the Eagles think, you know, obviously everybody thinks quarterback is number one, and rightfully so. And then from the Eagles' standpoint, it's offensive, defensive line. So if you want to argue, left tackle, if you want to argue Sewell, I, I, w- I would understand that more than uh, a, a receiver. I just 
don't think they were will ever value that position as much as quarterback. It's just and and by the way, rightfully so. So I, I guess the more you would have to look at it and say, first of all, if they don't think Justin Fields is going to be a great player, then it's easy. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the evaluation of Jalen Hurts as well. If you think he's going to be a really good player, well, then it's easy. But I, I do hear this narrative that, well, you're not going to be good this year anyway, which, A, I don't necessarily agree with because it is the NFC East, and you know, you got to make a lot of correct decisions. But I don't, I don't, you know, I've heard some people talk about tanking on purpose. And then if Jalen Hurts falters, you sort of give him a year to prove himself. And if he falters, you're going to be in the top five draft, I, I, again, to get a quarterback. And two things there. It's really early in the process, but next year's draft class is not expected to be as good as this one at the quarterback position. That's number one. Number two, I just don't think the Eagles think that way, and I can't imagine they would ever think that way, and that's one of the things I give them credit for. They're not just going to give up completely on the season thinking, oh, we can get a quarterback next season. Just It's not their mentality, and that's it. That's for all the hits they've taken, for all the hits I've given Jeffrey Lurie, and, and obviously the fans are very upset with, with Howie Roseman, they should be glad that they don't have a team that thinks that way. Now, should they, should they be thinking about what they've been dealing with over the past few years at the quarterback position and say, you know, man, do we really want you know, more of the same narrative just with new pieces to the puzzle. If we draft a quarterback at number six, here we are again, just not Carson Wentz, just now Jalen Hurts and the new guy, fans screaming for whoever's on the bench, fans screaming for, you know, I'm not saying that should be considered, but will it be considered right or wrong? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it will be considered. I don't think it, 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 will be a big thing for the Eagles. I mean, if they draft a quarterback at number six, and whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance as well, I mean, that's the quarterback. It might not be the quarterback week one, but that's that's your quarterback. You're, you're signaling that's your quarterback long term. Uh, and, you know, at that point, Jalen Hurts becomes a bridge, if, if that. I mean, that might be your quarterback week one, but I, I don't think there's any controversy. And by the way, I don't think there was any controversy uh, this season uh, until Carson played himself off the field, basically. So uh, I think that, you know, is a little bit of revisionist history. It wasn't like, you know, people were calling for Jalen Hurts in week seven or week eight. Um I mean, Carson just played himself out of that position. Nobody expected it. Uh, the Eagles didn't have that thought process in their mind when they drafted Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought it was a bad draft pick. I, I've said that numerous times. It didn't take into effect the, the potential uh, it, it could have on, on, on Carson's psyche, and I think that was a mistake. But there was never really any controversy, I, I don't think. Um, I, you know, I, maybe you think differently, but I didn't hear a lot of fans calling for Jalen Hurts. Uh, 
and until it got so dramatically bad, um, and the season was over by that point. So I, I, I don't think that will have a, a large impact on the thinking. Uh, I, I agree with you, but it's really just the overall controversy and narrative around the quarterback position in Philadelphia. It's, you know, why did you draft Jalen with the 53rd overall pick? What are we doing? Is this guy legit? How are we going to use him? And then once Carson was playing bad, then, you know, not a controversy like you said, but that discussion certainly uh, wasn't small. It, it was it was loud enough, uh, and I think it all started back in the draft with the 53rd overall pick. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I will say this, and, and you talked about this in your you know recent article posted earlier tonight at SI.com, and we'll get into a little bit more of this, but it's not always just draft the best available with the sixth overall pick because, listen, Jamar Chase, what if he is like Justin Jefferson? Also, what if he isn't? But let's say he is, then why not get him at six? And, you know, go get, um, you know, someone else later in the draft. Like, th- there is a strategy to these to these drafts, as you know, breaking news. Uh, so it's not always as simple, at least for the GMs, to just say, okay, best available. No, it's not. And, and a lot of it has to do, and probably the better, you know, indication is, is even more so probably a running back. When you see a running back pick that highly. Take one Barkley, for instance, and number two. Like nobody's going to question. I mean, that guy's got phenomenal talent. I mean, if you're just lining up, um, you know, good football players, um, he was certainly he certainly belonged where he was chosen. But I think you've seen over the years it was a bad pick, and it's not a bad pick because he was a bad player. It's just that position has been devalued to that point. Now the receiver is not nearly as devalued as running back. So, but if if you look at the history, I mean, there aren't a ton of receivers in the top five of the draft, number six in the draft, for good reason. And and it's the same thing. I mean, normally when you talk about top ten picks, you're talking about quarterbacks. Obviously, you're talking about edge rushers. Um, you're talking about offensive tackles. Uh, really, really talented interior rushers can get the conversation, really, really talented corners. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be in the conversation, to be a potential top 10 pick that at, at wide receiver, that tells you how talented somebody like Jamar Chase is, who I think, by the way, is going to go top five. So the Eagles uh, aren't going to have a chance at him. And, and that kind of tells you how impactful and how talented he is. But, I just, you know, understanding how this team thinks, and I've been around this team long enough. And by the way, I think they're right. I think they're right in this circumstance. I think there's, when you're that high in the draft, there's certain positions you have to focus on and take advantage of. Now, what can change your thinking is, as I said, it's always about evaluation. And so if you don't think, a quarterback is worthy of that spot, well, you don't take him. You don't push it. If you don't think an offensive tackle is worthy, you don't push it. Uh, defensive line is not – there are no defensive line who are worthy of going top ten in this draft. So you don't push it. Uh, and that could shift you in a different direction um, if you're not able to get a quarterback. But uh, I, I do think if it's it, – it's, 
it's Fields, and that's the guy I focus on because I don't think you're going to be able to get Lawrence. I don't think you're going to be able to get Wilson. Uh, that's the guy I focus on. If he's available, I mean, you have to pull the trigger. You have to. If the Eagles decide before the draft, all right, we're, we're not going to get a quarterback at sixth overall for whatever reason, just hypothetically here for a second. How creative can they get? And I ask that with um, the thought in mind of trading uh, the sixth pick and, you know, to a team that's right behind them or, you know, somewhere in the middle and maybe grabbing a couple first round picks for the sixth pick or a player, you know, anything like that. Do you see, do you see any of those potential uh, options coming, coming to uh, be true? Yeah, I mean, there's a potential they could fall back because they do need so much help and at, at, at so many positions and to pick up extra picks and continue to build. But you got to be really wary because there aren't a ton. There's always tiers of players, and then you kind of have a fall off. And from the scouts I've been talking to, the tier tier one, so to speak, is not really deep this year. In other words, if you go from say, 8 to 12 um, or somewhere in that range, you're, you're taking a deep, deep drop. There's probably maybe you could push 10 really Tier 1 players. So you don't want to go beyond that. Uh, or you're, you're, you're taking a significant, significant drop. And that's, that's you know, what the Eagles have to weigh. Uh, and ultimately, they're so uh, stressed for talent. I would think, look, if the only position they would trade up for is quarterback. And if they're not going to get a quarterback, then I would just take the best player left at six. Because you're, you're not going to be able to screw that up. It might not be the position you necessarily want of value, as I said, but you got you, you to get talent on this roster. And I, I don't think you can mess around and sort of, be in that crux and say, okay, we'll get we'll get a cornerback. Say you like Patrick Sertain, you think he's going to be there at eleven or twelve and fall back that far, um, which is a potential he would be there. But I think you're taking a dip in that talent level. I, I think you have to get just better, and you have to get good players regardless of position. All right, so. As it stands right now, Eagles have the sixth overall pick, as we're discussing, and then their next pick would come uh, in the second round at 37 overall. Is that correct, John? Yeah, 37, uh, which is, you know, if you think about it, 32 picks in the first round. So, uh, And I joke every year that, you know, if you go around to these draft sites, you're going to see this guy's a first-round pick, this guy's a first-round pick. It ends up there being 50 first-round picks. So you're going to be able to get uh, a pretty high-profile fo- player at 37 as well. And, hey, as I said, the Eagles need it. Um, this is a team that really you go back to the acquisition of Carson Wentz in those two years. They had five total picks in two consecutive years. And they're paying for it right now. And that's why they need bodies on this roster. They need young bodies. They need cost-effective bodies. And they got to start hitting on these draft picks. And 37 is maybe in a lot of ways 
more even more important than six because you kind of know you're getting a good player at six. Kind of know that. You don't just screw it up. 37, you should be able to get an impactful player who should be able to start for you year one. That's how, that's how big that pick is. I completely agree. So who are some names that you can say with confidence will be right there at least around uh, 37 for the 37th pick? Because like I said earlier, that certainly impacts what you do at six. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously you you start building your roster. I, I don't think that early it, it impacts. That, that kind of stuff starts to impact probably in the third round. You start saying, okay, if we're able to get a quarterback, if we're able to get a receiver, uh, well, obviously then in the third round, you're not going to take a receiver. You're not going to take a quarterback. So, or, or vice versa, you know. Let's say you don't take a quarterback at six. Well, you have one quarterback under contract. Dave Sudfeld's a, a free agent. Carson Wentz obviously will be gone March 17th officially. Um, so you need bodies at the quarterback position. So if you don't get one at six, you have to think about getting one in the second round or the third round. Um, whereas if you get a wide receiver at six, well, you're not going to take a wide receiver 37 and so on and so forth. So uh, a lot of it is dependent on, on obviously the first pick, but um, so, you know, it, for instance, if, and, and by the way, I don't think he's going to, if anything, um, Mac Jones is, is rising. Uh, I don't think there's any way he's going to be a 37. Um, so if you start thinking about second round quarterbacks, you know, Kyle Trask, is he worthy of going there? I don't think so. Uh, receivers, though, you, you got a lot of guys who might be in that mix. And that's one guy, Kadarius Tony from Florida, if you think about him. Um, and you think about Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach, was the offensive coordinator there. He's very familiar with him. Uh, I think he might fall a little bit. Everybody technically has him. Most people have him as the fifth best receiver in the draft. Most people have him as a first-round pick. But I, I do think that's a guy who can fall a little bit. And, you know, if you think about Rashad Bateman, for instance, I mean, to me, he's a more well-rounded receiver, whereas Tony's sort of the manufactured touch guy. And then a lot of people will say, well, that's what Jalen Rager is. But he isn't. Hey, we, we saw Jalen Rager. That's what he was sold to us as, the jet sweep guy, the orbit motion guy. But he wasn't good at that. He wasn't good at it. What he was good at, he got an open downfield. Now, often Carson Wentz didn't connect with him, partially because Jalen you know, dropped a couple uh, inaccuracy from Carson Wentz. But what you can say is he was open down the field pretty consistently. So I, I think if you can get a guy like Tony at 37, you introduce that jet sweep type thing the Eagles have wanted to their offense, and he's really, really good at that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, maybe the other pieces of the puzzle start to fit at wide receiver because then Rager doesn't have to worry about that. He can just focus 
on going downfield. And as you go down the roster, it's a little bit easier for everyone else as well. So that's the guy I was focused in on at, at 37. It's very early in the process, obviously. <laughs> it is, but it is uh, it's interesting nonetheless. And, and I loved watching Tony um, down in Florida, and I'm a fan, and I, I think he's going to be the real deal. And uh, some capacity, meaning he's going to be dangerous in the NFL. Just, you know, at, at what level is he going to be Tyreek Hill or is he going to, you know, that's hard to predict. And that's, um, you know, a heavy well, comparison. Thing. He's, a, he's a very raw route runner. So people are going to say he's not going to be there. But trust me, that type of guy falls a little bit in the NFL because they're going to look at him and they're going to go through this process and say, okay, what does he do well? And I always talk about those manufactured guys because I was I was I covered Cordero Patterson early in his career, and there's not a more explosive guy in the world when he sticks his foot in the ground, but can't run rounds, can't just can't do it, never. And it's really tough to get those guys involved, and you really got to be disciplined about it as a game planner. You really got to focus on it. You really got to, you know almost make notations to get him involved in the game. And I think the fact that Tony is not a great route runner at this stage, I think it's going to push him down the board a little bit. And I think that could, that could help the Eagles. Now, but isn't Tony more, he's more like a Deshaun Jackson, maybe not to that extreme Jalen Rager. Who now, see, I think Jalen Rager's more like a Deshaun Jackson. Okay. In other words, you know, Deshaun, now, it, by the way, I'm not saying Jalen Rager, Rager is Deshaun Jackson because Deshaun was, is a great route runner, and, and Jalen's a work in progress. But what Deshaun isn't is that jet sweep guy. He's just not strong enough. He's not powerful enough to, to break that first tackle to get, uh, you know, significant. I, I've compared Tony – Tony, to me, looks like a, not quite as big, but very similar to Debo Samuel, if you see what he became early in his career in San Francisco. Now, Samuel is, is bigger, uh, but he's got that same kind of physical running style to where he can, he can do that jet sweep stuff, and he could be that runner, and he can run the reverses in the end of rounds. And obviously you have the eyewash on top of it when they're explosive players uh, that draw the eyes of the defense. So that's, that's how I sort of envision it. And that opens up Jalen Rager to be the Deshaun Jackson type. Uh, and hopefully he can develop into that type of player. So what type of receiver do you envision, uh, you know, Chase being? Because I compare him to Justin Jefferson and, more of the traditional wide receiver type. Oh yeah, he's just a great receiver. I, I mean, yeah, and he's going to be a great receiver. And you know, he's better than Jefferson, at least obviously coming out. Uh, he's got more skills. Um, um, I don't know if he's a better route runner. I think you know Jefferson's such a good route runner. Uh, I think that's why. That's what set him apart, but Chase is a better athlete. So we'll we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I think Jefferson's obviously great. I think Chase is going to be great. Uh, I do think if the Eagles take him at six, they're going to be really, really happy. 
Um, and they don't have to worry about a receiver at 37 at that point. Um, he's just a really good player. But I, I do question taking a receiver that high. I, I just do. I, I don't think I don't think the value is necessarily there. You know, the guy I always point to, and he's going in the Hall of Fame now, is Calvin Johnson. I mean, physically, he's probably been, never been a more dominating receiver in the history of football. And, look, he was great. He was phenomenal. Every, everything you can say good, you can say about Calvin Johnson. Not a lot of good Detroit Lions teams. I mean, there's only so much a receiver can do. <clears throat> Uh, the June 1st designation, and a couple people on the live stream uh, brought this up and, and wanted me to ask you about this. So how does that impact what the team is doing with their roster, you know, cutting potential veterans um, and what, what that date really means for the team and how it impacts, you know, everything around it? Well, the Eagles have already... Uh, essentially behind the scenes made their decision. You can only have two post-June 1st designations for players, and they're going to use them on all shots, Jeffrey and Malik Jackson. Uh, and that's why they, they renegotiated their deals. Uh, that was what that was about. It was sort of um, a bookkeeping trick, uh, for lack of a better term, that Howie Roseman used to get a little bit of cap relief early in the process because Eagles got to be under by March 17th. And then also on the back end, uh, you get a little bit of relief by getting the split um, their money over two seasons. And that's what the June 1st designation is, but um, you can only do it with two players per season. And that's who the Eagles are going to use it on uh, is also on Jeffrey and Malik Jackson. So, uh, it's already out there. They still have to make more moves. It's really difficult. Um, but they're up against it, not only because of, of making mistakes and roster decisions, but also the pandemic. And we've talked about it a lot. And uh, they thought, remember, when they budgeted all this, they assumed everything would be like it always is in the NFL. And you'd have a, a 10% increase in the cap. Well, instead of a 10% increase, it's going down by anywhere from $18 million, uh, which is uh, where it is right now. That's going to be the floor. It can't go any lower than that. Most people think the salary cap is going to be about 185 Some people even say they'll go as high as 188 Last year's salary cap was 198.2. So, you're going backwards instead of forwards like the Eagles were budgeting and everybody else was. So everybody's in the same conundrum uh, of, you know, because you tend to budget two, three years in advance. And that's what everybody was budgeting with increases. And now it's all of a sudden it's a decrease. Last one here for you, John, before we let you go. Um, what do you know about the Von Miller situation uh, out in Denver updates? I know he's in some potential legal trouble. What does that do, um, you know, for, for his future uh, and potential landing spots if, you know, Denver and, and Von are moving on? Well, he's certainly not going to be involved here. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, obviously somebody who's that, and obviously any legal trouble, yeah, you have to sort of uh, wait and see how it shakes out. That could be very impactful, uh, obviously, from a, a, a discipline standpoint, things like that. But, you know, and I mentioned this with J.J. Watt as well, and it looks like J.J.'s down to three teams, which is essentially Tennessee, uh, Buffalo, which we mentioned, and Green Bay, which we mentioned. Um, so basically, Buffalo instead of Pittsburgh. A lot of people speculated on the Steelers because his brothers are there. Um, but guys like that and Von Miller's in that same category. Obviously, they're looking for contenders, um, and the Eagles are just not in that position right now. So um, it, it's a different phase, and that's why Jeffrey called it a transition, and it's kind of where the Eagles are. They have to they have to make right decisions, correct decisions with young players. Johnny Mack, our NFL Eagles insider, every night on the fix at seven thirty. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen, Phillyvoice.com, SI.com. Go check out Sports Illustrated um, for the new article John has up on SI.com right now, host of Extending the Play, every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on AM 1490. All right, John, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ryan. Absolutely. There he is. Johnny Mack!